Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Power Your Life. And yes, I'm Joanne White, and I am very excited. I was just cleaning out my garage over the week, the holiday weekend that we had in the United States, and thinking about this wonderful book that I have here, Clearing Emotional Clutter. So as I was clearing out my garage of the clutter, I was thinking, as Donald Altman says, that there's more than just that kind of clutter. Donald Altman is a psychotherapist, the author of several books on mindfulness, including One Minute Mindfulness, and he's a former Buddhist monk. In Donald's newest book, Clearing Emotional Clutter, Mindfulness Practices for Letting Go of What's Blocking Your Fulfillment and Transformation, Donald teaches readers to dissolve emotional clutter by using his six clutter cleaning mindfulness skills, referred to as tear-up, and we'll talk about that. So... I'm really excited. Hello, Donald. It's wonderful to have you here. Oh, hello, Joanne. It's great to be here with you, too. Thank you. So let's just get to it, because I can't imagine anybody getting through life without having some kind of emotional clutter, <laughs> right? And, and right. oftentimes yeah, they're I... not even aware of it. So firstly, tell us what that is. Okay. Well, and, and and like you said, what's interesting about emotional clutter is that you can't see it. It's invisible often. The mental clutter that fills our heads up, and it can come from a lot of different places. It can come from our past history. Uh, it could come from childhood trauma, from overbearing parents, from anything that traumatic that happened in our past. It could be present moment, um, overwhelming feelings of stress, the wear and tear, the daily grind. It could be from the future, thoughts about worries about, you know, what's my retirement going to look like? How am I going to, you know, what's going to happen in this relationship or this job? And what's going to happen in the future? All of those thoughts about things not yet formed or yet undone. And so uh, that clutter can come from our past, the present, the future. And yet uh, what happens is it fills up our mind and it dysregulates us and it makes it almost impossible for us to really participate in this present moment in a very joyful and um, uh, uh, fulfilling way. And so it's important to start to recognize that clutter and so we can clean it out like that garage that's filled up or that attic. Or you, you were talking about cleaning up the garage, and I think that's a great <laughs> metaphor. But, you know, we can see the physical clutter, but the emotional clutter is often invisible. So how do we know if it's invisible, Donald? How do we know that we have it? I mean, are there clues or keys that we can look at so we can examine it and say, aha, that, you know, there it is, and i got to get rid of it using Donald's technique. Yeah, I, and, and I, um, I think that the clues are in how you feel. Uh, the clues are in how you get upset. The clues are in how you maybe have problems in your relationships. The clues are in 
um, uh, you know, having that short temper. And, you know, uh, so there are a lot, you know, the, the, the clues are in how we, uh, you know, have that diff- those difficult people in our life and how we react to them. So uh, any time that I think that we can get, that we get emotionally dysregulated or we don't feel centered or, at, you know, uh, or satisfied or content even with where we're at, that's, that's a signal that we're feeling cluttered. We can feel it in the body, definitely, and that's one reason I try to get people out of the head and into the body often because uh, those, uh, the body's kind of an early warning signal system, and it can tell us when we're not feeling uh, centered or uh, uh, having that sense of calm or peace or just being present in the moment. So yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, signals that we can get. You know, it's so true. The body doesn't lie. I mean, sometimes we lie to right. ourselves mentally and and verbally, mm-hmm. and our body is telling us something totally different. And I know from experience, if you don't pay attention to it, those body signals get louder and sometimes more intense until you're you're staring something, you know, right in the face. Mm, right. Right. You talk about a lot of the reshape, you know, a lot of what's going on in with respect to emotional clutter can be cleared with reshaping, this is your terminology, reshaping your brain and managing your mm. brain. Talk about that a little bit because I found that fascinating. Well, this is something that was thought to be impossible just a few years ago, and and I think it's very hopeful to know that we now realize that where you place your thoughts and the uh, where you where you place your attention rather and the thoughts you have liter- literally sculpt the physical structure of your brain so it's really um uh, uh clearing clutter and clutter is really an inside job <laughs> right <laughs> and so we'll, what we know now is that uh if we can become more the master of our thoughts and start to notice what's happening in our mental landscape and and cultivate the kinds of thoughts we want, maybe pull out some of those weeds that keep growing. Anybody who's a gardener understands that, you know, you need to be vigilant and, and pull those weeds out. And it's the same way in cultivating the mind, a mind of, of peace and a mind of calm. So um, uh, I think it's really important to start looking within, and, and, and that's actually where I start in the Clearing Emotional Clutter book, is having people start to uh, become uh, make friends with their mind and start to notice the thoughts that we often grab onto. Now, here's a fascinating thing that I've learned is that um, we can have uh, many, many thoughts even in one second. Scientists have said that we can have from between 25 thoughts per second to about 125 thoughts per second. Wow. Now, if you were to take it the low range, for example, and I did, I've done the math, if you had 25, up to 25 <laughs> thoughts per second, in the course of a day, you'd have 75,000 thoughts. So, but how many of those thoughts tell you something really profound about yourself? How many of those thoughts are even accurate or even you know, somewhat close to accurate? Probably not too many. And yet uh, we often identify with those thoughts. We grab onto them. We believe them. And they're not necessarily factual. And and so uh, one of the trainings for clearing clutter is starting to just notice the mind, starting to learn the nature of the mind, that it is a wonderful thought generator. 
And um, some of those thoughts are helpful. Some may be creative, useful thoughts, but many of them might be pulling us in the wrong direction or old conditioned toxic thoughts that might be hindering our ability to live the life we want to really live. You know, you say pay attention to your thoughts. And I remember years ago practicing mindfulness, and we get into this in more depth a little bit, yeah. and noticing that some of those thoughts go by so fast. They're, it's like they're mm. racing. And I had to do something with my – I had to figure out how to slow them down so I could even know what they were. How, what, do you recommend anything with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, I, I, and actually, I call those mind whispers. I mean, that's you're absolutely <laughs> right. The mind is so fast and so subtle sometimes that we don't even notice those thoughts, even when we're trying to pay attention to them. And it, and and this is where practice comes in, in starting to where I recommend just spending one minute, just noticing your thoughts for one minute or even thirty seconds. Notice everywhere it goes, without trying to censor it. Just as if you're watching a movie theater, right? You're in a theater watching the what's on the screen being projected there and so what i found is that the more you start to pay attention the easier it is to notice those thoughts and catch even those real you know the fast ones that come by that often act like robotic commands and we follow them and we end up on autopilot and so we're not really living our life but we're living according to these like preset uh, like it's like an old program is running in your computer and it's telling you what to do Amazing, and and we can, we sort of compile those thoughts year after yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, and and by being more intentional and more conscious in the moment, you're actually running a new program. And isn't that great to know that you can install and run a new program in this moment? I think that's just incredibly hopeful and empowering. You know, it, it's amazing because I just got something on my computer last week that said, "Here's a clear cleanup." Piece. And if you use this tool, right? If you use this tool, you'll get so much more memory in the. And mm. I so this is kind of what you're doing, but you're doing it with it with our mind. Yeah, that's a great um, um, metaphor. You know, cleaning your your hard drive, cleaning your computer, and that's what I think clearing emotional clutter is helping uh, people do. Now you talk about these mind six. Clutter clearing mindfulness skills pair up. Can we focus a little bit on those because I find them fascinating? Yeah, and you know I, I, I've been teaching mindfulness for many years around the country and internationally, and and it's and it's kind of broadened my understanding of it. And so I have um, uh, an acronym called Pair Up, and that means that uh, and these are actually the the tools that are are utilized in this book that help you get more that engage you in mindfulness and the. And so it's really how you pair up better, how you can become a better fit with whatever is happening in your life right now. So the P stands for present moment participation, really uh, getting engaged in this moment, right? It's like that uh, little, uh, you know, if you've been to a carnival on the back of those little tickets, it says you must be present to win. Right. That, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of yeah, so what that is. A is attuned acceptance, and attuned means attunement means being uh, present with others, attuning to others. But also, uh, acceptance is a great uh, way of ha- an attitude of acceptance and openness to whatever is happening in your life. Doesn't mean you don't want to change it necessarily, but that you can accept that this is where uh, things are at right now, and you can move forward from there. Uh, intentionality. Intentionality is choicefulness. 
being able to start to run that new program, that new uh, life program that you are interested in moving in a new direction. Reflection. This is really important. And uh, actually, all the skills I'm talking about uh, exist in a part of the brain that is really the mindfulness module of the brain right behind the eyebrow ridge. And I, I talk about uh, brain science in this book, too. But it's called the prefrontal cortex. And so, so when you're reflecting inwardly, you're activating that part of the brain. That's the other thing here, that when you start to do this work, you're uh, exercising, you're creating new pathways in that mindfulness part of the brain, and it becomes easier over time. So reflection is the ability to look within and uh, determine, you know, what matters to me? What, what are my values? What, what, you know, uh, what, uh, what is my purpose in life, and how would I like to move toward that? Really important. The U stands for understanding of suffering. And I found just personally that this really helps me when I when I'm you know when I've been around uh, those difficult people in my life or when I uh, am uh, struggling with something I can I can I can dig deeper and I can start to understand what the roots of that are and I can see that I know that I'm suffering but what are the roots of it and when I'm able to look at the roots of it that again it's like pulling out that weed and suddenly I have a new understanding and I'm not suffering. Or, you know, I might still be experiencing difficulty in my life, but I'm not suffering. It's like a second arrow that hits you, and now you're 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 hurt from that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so uh, I found that understanding suffering can be very important. And I talk about uh, different roots of suffering here and how you can free yourself just by under by looking at it. And the last thing, the P, is purposeful partnership, and it's really critical, I think, for us to you know. I think some people think of mindfulness more as how, you know, it's my thoughts, it's my sensations in the body, but it's really about how we experience and co-create the moment with others, just as we're doing, talking together here today, and supporting one another. And I think that's where this, the purposeful partnership comes in, that we can help others realize their dreams and their goals, and we do this together, and it, and it creates a meaningful life and a beneficial, uh, and it's beneficial for everybody. You know, I think that all of these skills are so important, but I want to go back to the the A, the acceptance one, because I've worked with, with clients, and one of their challenges is when they're recognizing what's going on in their head, they're judging it. They're judging what they did mm. in the past, and that stuff keeps coming up. And it's almost as though it keeps going around and around and around, and it gets it, it actually gets worse because they're they're concentrating on it and they're not feeling good about it and then it it kind of just moves forward and gets larger and gets louder what do they need to do specifically to to like quiet that or to get to that place of acceptance some people struggle with that most of their life people do struggle with that and what i try to help people do is start to notice that uh, start to just observe their thoughts in a very neutral way and notice that you're going to have self-critical thoughts too, but I just have them label their thoughts. There's actually some incredible science around this. If you can just name, uh, just label your thoughts or name your emotions, you're now making that thought or that emotion the object of your attention. You're not grabbing onto it. And when you look at it from a distance, and I call it constructively distancing from negativity, when you do that, uh, you actually send inhibiting signals back down the brain to the what I call the smoke detector of the brain, the amygdala. It's the part of the brain that triggers the fight-or-flight response. And research has shown that if you're able to just 
name that emotion or name that thought in a very neutral way, it quiets down that reactive part of the brain. So you're not reacting to that thought. So if you had a critical thought, I just have people name it again as, oh, my, my, my mind is wandering, or that's a thought. Yeah. Or I've had people even for anxious, anxious thoughts. I've had, I had one gentleman who had anxiety attacks every day, and he learned that those thoughts were not what was happening in his body, and he would, um, his his father actually had a heart attack at a young age, so he would have little sensations in the body, and then he'd have these thoughts: "Oh, that must this my hands are sweaty. That must mean I'm going to have a heart attack." And his mind would go off on this huge, you know, um, escalation of catastrophizing. <laughs> and so he um, he would just eventually he'd notice those thoughts, and he would say, "Oh, hello again, old friend." He didn't. He didn't push that thought away. He wasn't resisting it. I think that's important. But he just recognizing it, and even maybe honoring it. Say, oh, that's a part of my history where I was uh, uh, worried about what happened to my dad. Now, and when so I was much younger, yeah. when I was when I was much younger, I had so many thoughts about not being able to do something or whatever that I had to mm. work with, and a lot of that was, you know, from family stuff, and I actually got to a point doing a little bit differently what you're talking about, where, where I got to a point sometimes where I would just say, stop! Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good, too. And and, and I used to teach people to see a, a stop sign or whatever, and, and then I would yeah. substitute it with something positive, but again, you've got to learn how to slow the brain down. So does that still work? Because you were talking about some. I mean, it worked for me. It just shut it up. You know, I I yeah, I think you know everybody. Uh, some people are very visual, so I love that you saw a stop sign, and so I, um, you know, I I think depending on how if people are visual, they could see, um, you know, even uh, I've I've had people who pictured uh, that offending those thoughts just you know floating down a stream on a leaf like a leaf floating by, but it's finding some way to just kind of release it, notice it and release it, but then return to the present moment. For example, just by paying attention to your breath, so you have something to focus on, and when and you're going to notice that the mind wanders off from when you're concentrating, and uh, research and that's okay. You know, research says our minds wander almost 50% of the time. Wow. And I would think, just my anecdotally look observing my own mind, that it wanders more like 90% of the time. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, we that's okay. I mean, that's. Uh, the mind can go off and wander if we're not really focused on a task-oriented uh, job or, or work or something. But So we can start to learn more about the nature of the mind, and, and it's just fascinating to see what our minds are, are capable of. And so it's like training a puppy dog. And, and so puppy dogs are pretty, you know, sometimes you hear it called monkey mind. I like the puppy dog metaphor, how puppy dogs are so energetic and they'll run if you have a new puppy, you know it'll run off and grab onto something and shake it vigorously, and then you have to bring it back, and it'll run off again. And so you're just really training that puppy dog mind and, and, and appreciating, wow, look at all the energy my mind has or this puppy dog mind has, and I'm going to kind of I'm going to I'm going to train it. We'll become friends. We're going to work together, and I think that can uh, just shift how you feel about your own thoughts. So you're changing your relationship actually to your thoughts. You know, I love that. That changing the relationship because that—that's key. We have a relationship with ourselves and with our thoughts, so that's wonderful for people to think about. You are very in tune with with 
what we do with with um, social media because you you have this term that you use within the book called inner Facebooking. Right. And tell, tell people what that means and what we could do with that. Yeah, um, and I and uh, you know the average person. This just came out a couple of weeks ago, Joanne. The average person spends, the average I should say average Facebook user, spends over 50 minutes a day on Facebook, which would be about one-sixteenth of their total waking time. Wow. So um, when you think about what Facebook is, and, I mean, it's a way of really, you know, putting up posts of what's happening in your life or seeing what's happening in other people's lives, and, and we respond to those posts emotionally. So what I'm saying is that you know, we could spend a lot of time on Facebook, but there's a second, more pervasive, ubiquitous Facebook, and that's the inner Facebook. And I talked about how many thoughts we could have. You could think of those thoughts as Facebook posts, right, that you're putting mm-hmm. up every day. But you want to become more aware of those. So what I talk about is starting to notice the Facebook posts and and paying attention to how are those posts making me feel. And if they're making me feel inadequate, if they're making me feel like I'm, uh, you know, um, I, I, you know, somebody else is doing better than me, and I know that even with Facebook, there's something been identified as fake Facebook depression, where people compare themselves to other people's lives on Facebook and and <laughs> end up feeling badly. But we do this in our own mind all the time, so we need to notice the Facebook posts and then uh, put up some positive posts for ourselves, right, and and, and be supportive. And start to look at the uh, more accurately at the good things that are happening in our lives, the, the positive things. And so start to counter all those negative Facebook posts that we're putting up, if we are putting them up, and then put up some positive ones. And that's where the idea of strengths come in. And I do talk about how to use strengths. And um, and in and it's interesting. I think a lot of us never even are aware of our strengths. Something else that maybe is kind of invisible to us. It's a positive. Uh, decluttering tool that we have. You talk about 108 strengths that we have. Can you name a few of them, Don? Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, hospitality, compassion, generosity, um, sense of humor, which you I've noticed your sense of humor just talking on the show for a little bit today, and that's one of your strengths. And um, uh, discipline, you know, if you get to work in the morning, that shows the strength of discipline and timeliness, respect for others. If you brush your teeth, that's self-care strength, strength of, you know, taking care of yourself or getting enough sleep and those kinds of things. So I think there's just so many that we never uh, really think about, but they're all out there. You know, even if you you come, you go to the mall and you come out, you leave the mall and you find your car in the big parking lot, you know, it's like a, a, an ocean of cars out there. Oh, that's a strength of memory. <laughs> and um, wow. so right. I, I often like people to take a strengths challenge and to actually start thinking about things that they take for granted, that they think, oh, that's just routine, that's what I do every day. But to take a strengths challenge throughout the day and name as many strengths as you can, really paying attention to what you're doing and the strength that is behind that. And I'll um, a and, question from one of our listeners, which and... and and she's asking, how long does this take to like reach? I guess people are impatient, and you know we all we want to we want to get we want to move forward quickly. But how long does it take to be able to get to a place where we're clearing some aspect of this? Is it immediate? Does it take days? Does it take months? Well, I think it's it's uh, it's just 
a few minutes a day. You're, you're clearing it a little bit every day. Suppose you had a big table that you know you didn't answer your your mail and you didn't open up your mail and it covers your your desk, right? So now I think, okay, I'm going to start um, opening, you know, just maybe three or five pieces a day, and that's what this is—just a few minutes a day. And then before you know it, I mean, if you just keep doing that, you'll gain steam. Maybe one day you'll do, open ten pieces, and before you know it, that desk is going to be cleared off. Uh, and that's and that's the way this works too. So the the nice thing is it doesn't require, um, a, um, you know, a huge amount of investment every day. It's just a few minutes, and then it becomes just how I do things. And 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 I think that's the the benefit of it is then you start clearing away the clutter as it's arising in the moment. So no no extra clutter builds up, and you keep that desk nice and clean. So that's kind of the idea behind. I hope that helps answer that for your listeners. I, I I think so. And so basically, it's also that you're developing a new habit or new habits. So when you're clearing this stuff and your your mind, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens is. Uh, you are creating a new pathway. That so the new habit is installed. It's like you're installing new software, and so that new program is running, and it just makes it a lot easier. And so you're able to clear out the uh, emotional clutter more quickly, and it and and you you will feel the difference right away. Now we you and I talked earlier about doing a little bit of a of, um, meditation and then we'll go back to this. Do you, is this a good time? Because I think sure. our listeners would love oh, yeah. to experience some of what's in this incredible book, Clearing Emotional Clutter. Well, I I appreciate that. So let me uh, let's do a uh, we'll just do a short um, self acceptance meditation that is in the book here. I think it's so important to uh, learn how to accept ourselves or even accept the difficult things in our lives that maybe we're struggling with. So begin with this. I want everybody that's listening to just, uh, we'll just do like a five-minute meditation here. But I want you to identify one thing in your life that you're having a difficult uh, time accepting. And uh, either write it down on paper, or just, and you could always shred that paper later, burn it, or just think of one thing that you're having a difficulty with. And um, it could be a situation it could be an emotion it could be uh you know maybe uh a few examples are you know i'm getting older i don't maybe feel attractive anymore i i think i'm not lovable i fear being alone uh maybe you know i worry about my relationship or marriage because my partner is distant or cold or whatever you know i hate that i didn't get that job promotion or my career isn't moving forward so anything that happened or maybe it's even that you were harmed or you felt you were abused by somebody so uh, and maybe you can't, aren't ready to forgive that. Uh, so uh, whatever that is, I just want you to think of one thing that you find difficult to accept. It doesn't, and again, it could be a little thing, could be a bigger thing. So take a moment to identify that. And then um, I want you to have a quiet place to sit. Know that you are always in control as we do this little meditation. And uh, if if at any time anything gets too distressing, open your eyes you can take a break from this. You could always try it another time. So I'm going to chime a bell here to begin. Okay. So I just want you to slow your breathing down. Picture yourself resting in a place of supreme beauty, spacious peacefulness. There's nothing here that can harm you. You're totally safe and protected here. Now, this can be a real place that you love, 
and feel safer. It could be an imaginary place that you uh, picture or create in your mind's eye. Now I want you to picture some people who have helped you in your life. You could think of these as benefactors. And I want you to surround yourself with the people who, when you're near these people, you feel good, you feel safe, you feel protected. Uh, these are people who hold a deep wish for your well-being, your health, and your safety. Just imagine these people surrounding you and how nice it is to be near them. They could be family, friends, neighbors. They could be from your present or your past. Uh, it could even be a spiritual. You could even include spiritual people who you admire. Um, and you could have them around you too, a Gandhi, a Martin Luther King, a Jesus, somebody who inspired you. And they are sending all these individuals that are around you, they they are sending their warmest wishes for your well-being and your safety. And let yourself uh, absorb, let yourself allow uh, yourself to feel the wonderful blessings they have for you right now. And let this warmth, you know, that you're, and they're all wishing you well, that you're safe, happy, and healthy, that you're peaceful. And let those wishes just seep into all of yourselves, right down to the heart center, right? And just let it radiate throughout your entire being right now. Now, you might notice that that thing you did not cannot accept, you might notice it's far, far off in the distance. I mean, it's way, way out there. You can barely see it. And here you are surrounded by this wonderful warmth of these and love of the people who care about you. Now, I want you to imagine this warmth and love as a big bubble, a golden bubble that's surrounding you. It's warm and inviting. And this is your bubble of self-acceptance, your bubble of wisdom, your bubble of understanding that can safely hold anything, no matter how difficult or unwanted it is. And it's around you and around the friends and family and other inspiring people who care about you. Now, I want you to see this bubble expanding. Just picture it moving outward. And as it touches and moves outward, it encompasses whatever is around it and brings it into this, this accepting place, this safe place, this secure place. So all your thoughts, your past, your emotions, whether positive or negative, now get surrounded by the bubble. And you just let it be, Right? And you feel this expansion and peace as the bubble grows. Now, I'm watching it continue to grow. And once anything's in the bubble, you don't have to react to it anymore. Remember that. But you can just notice it freely with kindness, understanding, and compassion. Now, let the bubble extend farther and farther. And now it's reaching out. It's way, way out on the horizon. Now, maybe it's coming up close. It's touching right up to that difficult thing that we talked about, that you identified and could not accept. Feel what it's like as the bubble makes contact with that thing. Now I want you to let the bubble soften and allow it to bring that thing inside. Now, remember, imagine the bubble is accepting in the same way that a loving parent, a best friend, a compassionate mentor, or a spiritual teacher accepts you for who you are. The good and the bad, all of it, right? So let yourself come to peace and at rest with Everything in the bubble, even as it now encompasses that difficult thing which is in the bubble, 
uh, you can realize that there's everything's in the bubble. Once it's inside the bubble, there's no inside or outside. There's no pushing or pulling, no good or bad you, no winning or losing. This is the all-inclusive, self-accepting, loving place within and without. So continue to breathe a little longer. And set the intention now to accept your difficult situation as a starting point, not an end point. Let your own wisdom guide you as to how you would like to move forward. And uh, when you're ready to conclude the visualization, you can always give thanks to your bubble of self-acceptance, knowing you can return to it. And you can do this meditation, even just for a few minutes, to help you um, bring into your space that difficult thing so you don't have to fight with it anymore. And you can start to understand it in a fresh way. So let's just sit for another few seconds here. Well, thank you. What I noticed was that that. thing, (laughs) which was a, a current injury, as it was brought into the circle, it was filled with light and love oh. and, and it felt just less intense that's the way to describe mm. it and, and easier to, to handle so thank you for that oh wonderful wonderful and, and that's what I hope is that people can slowly um, uh, you know a lot of times the resistance or the fight that we put into something that we don't want in our lives is in itself uh, as or more painful than the thing that we're you know struggling with why is breath so important in releasing emotional clutter? Hmm. Well, I think uh, it's it's coming into greater peace. I think it's that acceptance of uh, not uh, fighting even the conditions of our life um, so that we can, you know, we can really start where we're at so we can face the conditions and, and say, okay, this is what's happening rather than try to avoid it or escape it. And um, that's a good place. I think, you know, um, I remember a, a quote from Pema Chodron. It was a Buddhist nun, and, and I love what she said. Uh, and I'll paraphrase it here. She said, you know, you could be the most addicted person in the world, the most um, miserable person in the world, the most depressed person in the world. That's the best place to start, <laughs> right? <And> we, start <laughs> where we're, we start where we are. We start, uh, and, and that's what mindfulness does. Mindfulness doesn't try to avoid difficulty or or plaster it over. If you have a leaky, uh, you know, if a leak in your house, it's not, you know, it's just repaint it. You have to actually fix the foundation or fix the wall and, 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 and look at it and confront it directly, not just try to avoid it. And so, um, you know, I think mindfulness allows us to do that, but allows us to look at our difficulties, but with a sense of uh, self-compassion and, and uh, self-kindness <clears throat> so we can um, uh, have um, really support ourselves even through those difficult times. You know, I, I think those are so so important, and and your little meditation brought that out too. Because if we're so judgmental about what we're doing or or what happened mm. in the past, we we just can't get beyond it, and it and it builds it intensifies. Thank you. Yeah, I find that there's a you know there really is a real uh, a lot of uh, perfectionism and 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 uh, you know a lot of the believing we have to be perfect so we have to 
do things perfectly. I remember when I um, uh, when I did my first, it was a national conference that I appeared at, and I was so I so badly just wanted to make it so perfect, and I kept changing it up to the last minute, which really threw me off. And <laughs> and, I, and I didn't have that great a presentation, and it was kind of funny because I had met a guy who um, uh, Robert. Uh, Biswas Diener, who is, uh, works in the happiness field, and that was his first national presentation there. And we had met each other um, at the conference, and then we both walked out of the rooms of our presentation at the same time, and we we just happened to run into one another, and and, it tur- and neither of us thought we did a very good job. And it was funny, though. Robert said, well, he says, but you know what? He says, seven is the new ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're so busy trying to be perfect, trying to get that ten, that anything less, we think we've failed. And yet he said, you know, but if you think about it, seven means you did a pretty good job. And uh, and the effort you put in to make it a 10, it probably could have been used doing something else. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, I said, you know, you're right. I had a great presentation. I did a seven. <laughs> so he helped me kind of reframe that. And, I, and, I, and I've thought about that since, how hard we can be on ourselves, which is really another form of suffering, isn't it, that self-critical mind. And uh, so I, I think we need to lighten up and be a little easier on ourselves. Well, this book certainly gives us ideas and shows us the way. It has so much in it and exercises that are easy to do. And I know I practiced a few of them, Donald, and I feel really good. And it's a very helpful book. So tell people they need to get get a hold of this book. Tell them how they can get this book. And you have other books. And also how they can get a hold of you. So, um, and, and I appreciate what you said because I really do try to provide a lot of practical tools in, in all my books. And and so you can get Clearing Emotional Clutter. Uh, you can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to Amazon has it. And uh, you can go to my website and learn more about it. And I have a link to if you wanted to purchase it off my website. My website is mindfulpractices.com. It's M-I-N-D-F-U-L practices.com and I have a a newsletter there the mindful living newsletter so I uh, invite everyone uh, who's interested to go there and sign up uh, for the newsletter you subscribe on the home page and the newsletter gives you information about uh, some new mindfulness practices once a month and new research in the mindfulness field and and tips for bringing mindfulness into your life so I, I I invite everybody to sign up for that and I and um, you know, and, and in other books I've written, um, uh, I had another book come out earlier this year called "101 Mindful Ways to Build Resilience." That is a is another excellent book with a lot of tools in there. And I think what's important is that we start. Uh, you know, I, th- I think life is a little more difficult maybe than in the past in terms of just how uh, 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 how much we have to manage <laughs> and, and how and it, 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 you know it's a real challenge to cope nowadays and so i think we do need to use all the um uh, tools available to us to help us rewire the brain i totally agree and you have like i said amazing tools that i think really can work for for anybody now have you seen children using any of these tools that are in this book uh you know i have heard anecdotally of people who have worked with their kids using these uh, a lot of these tools and actually when uh, as a psychotherapist I worked with adolescents who definitely were able to use the tools um, so I 
Yeah, I don't think there's any reason why somebody, even at a young age, even you know, seven, eight, nine years of age, could start to use these tools, especially some of the breathing practices. And, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of funny. I, I, once, I worked with a family one time, uh, Joanne, and and um, and there were some uh, uh, younger kids in the family, and so I taught them all the breathing. And it was the kids who were the ones who were really really uh, embraced it and were kind of became uh, uh, enforcers to get their parents to, <laughs> to do the practice. <laughs> so great. definitely it could be a benefit to anybody, yeah. Donald Altman, you are wonderful. This book is is something that everybody needs to have and to utilize, not just put it on your shelf. And thanks so much for being a great guest. We could continue to talk about this and do more of these exercises. I would love it, but we do have the time factor. So yeah. thanks again for everything that you do, for for your knowledge, for what you offer for, to people, and you give so much of yourself. Thanks again. Oh, well, thank you, Joanne, and, and uh, blessings to you, your, and and. I'm I'm happy that your show is reaching out to so many people and helping change lives. Thank you. Have a blessed day, Donald. Oh, thanks. Bye now. Bye-bye. So practice, even we went through one little activity, that little visualization meditation today. Even if you begin to practice this before you buy Clearing Emotional Clutter by Donald Altman, it can really help change things and maybe it's subtle maybe it's not too subtle but pay attention as donald says because you're really reframing reworking your mind and sometimes we we can really use that next week we have two people on who are going to talk about working with children with autism michelle renee connor and Teresa Cooper about dancing your way towards better health and embracing the spectrum that's june 8th for those of you who are in Eastern, it's noon Eastern time, and you can always get the show on Blog Talk Radio and on my website, drjoannewhite.com, D-R-J-O-A-N-N-E-W-H-I-T-E.com. And if you're interested, my More Heaven, because Every Child is Special, is an international Amazon bestseller. And also just received all these wonderful reward awards, rather one from Mom's Choice for Excellence. So I urge you to take a look at that book because I believe it's transformative. Working with these children certainly transformed me. Remember that you have the ability to power your life and empower yourself. So think about doing that on a daily level. And thanks so much for joining me. And we'd love to hear from you. If you want to reach me, Joanne, J-O-A-N-N-E, at drjoannewhite.com. Have a blessed day, a blessed evening, a blessed life, wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.